1: It is 4 o'clock across the West, Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine on a Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along on the drive home or whatever you got going on this afternoon. I am sitting here wearing a pair of, uh, I think they started off as black. They're kind of gray now, Levi's 505s. I, I'm wearing Levi's today with the red tag on the back. I, I tomorrow I will probably wear another pair of Levi's. I I've got three or four pair of Levi's in my closet, and most days I'm wearing jeans. Uh, and I got I've got more Levi's than I've got other kinds of jeans. And, and you're wondering, so what are we talking about Levi's for? Well, we're we're talking about it because I found myself this week going. hmm. should I I be buying Levi's? And here's why. Because it's because of what I read from Jennifer Say. Jennifer, until this week, had an executive position with Levi's. And she, uh, a a high up position in the company. And she left that this week. And I'm going to share her story with you. And the reason I'm going to share her story with you is is because of uh, just because of what it says about our current moment. But it also raises the issue for me and maybe for you, when do we make buying decisions or choose not to make buying decisions based on uh, a company's branding, their their how they represent themselves we'll talk about that but here's Jennifer Jennifer in 1986 was a gymnast a a world class gymnast at age 17 she was the reigning national champion in women's gymnastics 17 years old she went to moscow this was again this was 86 so it was the goodwill the goodwill games you may remember that Uh, we didn't do the Olympics in the late 80s because of tension between the Soviet Union and the United States. So Ted Turner at CNN launched the Goodwill Games as an alternative. And Jennifer Say went, and she said, in my suitcase, I took 10 pair of Levi's 501s. She said the jeans were for bartering Lycra. The Russians' leotards represented tautness, prestige, and discipline. So she wanted Russian-made leotards. She said, but the Russians clamored for my denim and all that it represented. American ruggedness, freedom, individualism. Jennifer said, I loved wearing Levi's. I'd worn them as long as I could remember. But if you'd told me back then that one day I would become the president of the brand I would never have believed you. If you had told me that after achieving all that, after spending almost my entire career with one company, that I would resign from it, I would have told you you were crazy. Jennifer said, This week I'm doing just that. Why? Because after all these years, the company I love has lost sight of the values that made people everywhere, including gymnasts in the former Soviet Union want to wear Levi's. She says, My tenure at Levi's began as an assistant marketing manager in 1999, a few months after my 30th birthday. As the years passed, I saw the company through trends. I was the marketing director for the U.S. by the time skinny jeans had become the rage. I was the chief marketing officer when high waists came into vogue. I eventually became the global brand president in 2020, the first woman to hold this post. And somehow low rise is back, she says. (laughs) Over my two decades at Levi's, she said, I got married. I had two kids, got divorced, had two more kids, got married again. The company has been the most consistent thing in my life. And until recently, I've always felt encouraged to bring my full self to work, including my political advocacy. Now, as you're going to hear... Um, Jennifer is not somebody who there'd be, be, there are things you'd quibble with Jennifer about in terms of political ideology and choices, but listen to her story. She said, my advocacy was always focused on kids. She said, back in 2008, when I was vice president of marketing, I published a memoir about my time as an elite gymnast. And I talked about the dark side of the sport, specifically the degradation of children. The gymnastics community threatened me with legal action and violence. Former competitors, teammates, coaches all dismissed my story as that of a bitter loser just trying to make a buck. They called me a grifter and a liar. She said, but my company, Levi's, stood by me. More than that, they embraced me as a hero. Things changed, Jennifer said, when COVID hit. Early on in the pandemic, she said, I publicly questioned whether schools had to be shut down. That viewpoint did not seem all that controversial to me. I felt, she said, and I still do, that the draconian policies would actually cause the most harm to those least at risk, and the burden would fall heaviest I'm the disadvantaged kids in public schools, kids who need the safety of routine and school the most. She said, I wrote op-eds. I appeared on local news shows. I attended meetings with the mayor's office, living in San Francisco, where Levi's is headquartered. I organized rallies. I pleaded on social media to get the schools open. I was condemned for speaking out. This time, she said, I was called a racist, a strange accusation given that I have two black sons. I was called a eugenicist and a QAnon conspiracy conspiracy theorist. In the summer of 2020, she said, I finally got the call from our head of corporate communications who said, you know, when you speak, you speak on behalf of the company. He was urging me to pipe down. I responded My title is not on my Twitter bio. I'm speaking as a public school mom with four kids. But the calls kept coming. Got a call from legal, from HR, from a board member. Finally, she said, my boss, the CEO of the company, called. I explained why I felt so strongly about this issue, citing data on the safety of schools, the harms caused by virtual learning. They didn't try to muzzle me outright, but I was told repeatedly I needed to think about what I was saying. Meantime, she says, colleagues were posting nonstop about the need to oust Trump in the November election without any repercussions. I shared my support for Elizabeth Warren in the Democratic primary and my great sadness about the racially instigated murders of Ahmaud Arbery. And George Floyd, nobody at the company had any problem with that. Then she says in October of 2020, when it was clear public schools were not going to open in the fall, I proposed to our company leadership that we weigh in as a company on the topic of school closures in our city, in San Francisco. She said, we often take a stand on political issues that impact our employees. We've spoken out on gay rights, voting rights, gun safety, and more. The response this time was different. We don't weigh in on hyper-local issues like this, I was told. A lot of potential negatives if we speak up strongly, starting with the numerous execs who have their kids in private schools in the city. I refused to stop talking, she says. I kept calling out hypocritical and unproven policies. I met with the mayor's office. Eventually, I uprooted my entire life in California. I'd lived here for more than 30 years. I moved my family to Denver so my kindergartner could finally experience real school. We were able to secure a spot for him in a dual-language immersion Spanish-English public school like the one he was supposed to be attending in San Francisco. National media picked up on my story. I was asked to go on Laura Ingram's show on Fox News. That appearance was the last straw at Levi's. The comments from Levi's employees picked up. Now I was anti science. I was also anti fat. The reason, she says, is because I had retweeted a study showing a correlation between obesity and poor health outcomes. I was called anti-trans. She said I had tweeted that we, should, we shouldn't ditch Mother's Day for birthing People's Day because it left out adoptive and stepmoms. She says I was called a racist because San Francisco's public school system was filled with black and brown kids, and apparently I didn't care if they all died. I was also castigated for my husband's COVID views as if I, as his wife, were responsible for the things he was saying on social media. All this drama took place at our regular town halls, company-wide meetings that I had looked forward to before and I now dreaded. Meantime, the head of our diversity, equity, and inclusion program at the company asked me to do an apology tour. I was told that the main complaint against me was that I was not a friend of the black community at Levi's. I was told I needed to say I am an imperfect ally. I refused. The fact, she says, that I had been asked back in 2017 to be the executive sponsor of the Black Employee Resource Group by two black employees did not matter to anybody. The fact that I'd fought for kids for years didn't matter, that I was just citing facts didn't matter. The head of HR told me personally that even though I was right about the schools, it was classist and racist that public schools stayed shut while private schools were open And that I was probably right about everything else, but I still shouldn't say so. So the head of HR says, I agree with you. I think you're right on this. Just don't say it. I kept thinking, why? Why shouldn't I? In the fall of 2021, a year ago, she says, during a dinner with the CEO, I was told I was on track to become the next CEO of Levi's. The stock price had doubled under my leadership Revenue had returned to pre-pandemic levels. The only thing standing in my way, he said, was me. All I had to do was stop talking about the school thing. But the attacks on me would not stop, she said. Anonymous trolls on Twitter, some with nearly half a million followers, said people should boycott Levi's until I'd been fired. They did some of my old, so did some of my old gymnastics fans. They called the company Ethics Hotline and sent emails. Every day, a dossier of my tweets and all of my online interactions were sent to the CEO by the head of corporate communications. At one meeting of the executive leadership team, the CEO made an offhand remark that I was acting like Donald Trump. I felt embarrassed and I turned my camera off to collect myself. In the last month, she says, the CEO had told me uh, the CEO told me uh, it was untenable for me to stay. I was offered a million-dollar severance package, but I knew to take the million dollars I'd have to sign a nondisclosure agreement about why I'd been pushed out. The money would be very nice, but I just can't do it. Sorry, Levi's. She says, I never set out to be a contrarian. I don't like to fight. I love Levi's and its place in the American heritage as a purveyor of sturdy pants for hardworking, daring people who moved west and dreamed of gold buried in the dirt. The red tag on the back pocket of the jeans I handed over to the Russian girls used to be shorthand for what was good and right about this country. And when I think about my trip to Moscow so many decades ago, I get a little choked up. But the corporation doesn't believe in that now. It's trapped in trying to please the mob and silencing any dissent within the organization. In this, it's like so many American companies held hostage by intolerant ideologues who do not believe in genuine inclusion or diversity. Jennifer Say goes on to write, In my more than two decades at the company, I took my role as manager most seriously. I helped mentor and guide promising young employees who went on to become executives. In the end, none of them stood with me. No one person publicly said they agreed with me, or even that they didn't agree with me, but supported my right to say what I believe anyway. I like to think that many of my now former uh, colleagues know that this is wrong. I like to think that they stayed silent because they feared losing their standing at work or incurring the wrath of the mob. I hope in time they will acknowledge as much. She said, I'll always wear my old 501s, but today I'm trading my job at Levi's and in return, I get to keep my voice. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Some of you have had Similar workplace experiences where you just keep your head down, lay low, don't say anything, don't stir up trouble because you say the wrong thing, you tweet the wrong thing, you send the wrong email, you could be out of work. Jennifer would not back down because her, her right to speak freely and publicly is more important than her job. And kudos to her. But here's what it got me thinking about. Over the years, Marianne and I have made decisions on occasion. We're just not going to shop at that place anymore. Because the company had taken a stand publicly for something that we did not support, could not support. Something that went against our values. Something that went against what we believe in. Back in the 80s, the 80s, the 90s, I don't remember, but somewhere in there, the Dayton Hudson Corporation in Minneapolis gave money charitably to Planned Parenthood. They were helping to support the abortion industry. Dayton Hudson is the parent company for Target. And so for many years, Marianne and I shopped elsewhere. Went to Walmart instead of Target. Uh, it's been, I don't know, almost a decade, I think, since I've been to a Burger King. And the reason that I, I haven't been to a Burger King is in part because of an ad that Burger King did in the San Francisco area Again, I think it's almost a decade ago, a little ad campaign where they put out what they called the Rainbow Whopper. I don't know if you ever saw this ad, but you go in and you had a special sandwich. Try a Rainbow Whopper. Well, you ordered it, and when you got it, it was wrapped up in rainbow paper. You opened it up, and and everybody opened it up, and it said, well, this is just like any other Whopper. Nothing different between this Whopper and another Whopper. And the Burger King people said, right, you get it? They're just the same. This was back before gay rights was in vogue. And I thought to myself, okay, if that's the stand they want to take, that's their choice. But I I just decided I'm not going to do Burger King if that's what they want their brand to be known for. I, I could tick off another couple of examples. Maybe I will before we're done. But, but I got – Marianne and I were talking about this this week. I said there have been companies that have made decisions where I go, I don't agree with that, but I still keep going there, still keep buying their product. I like the product. Um, how much should a company's advocacy or private support for causes I don't agree with, how much should that influence – my buying. You know, Chick-fil-A, the, the famous, the the company that is, is famously well-known for uh, Christian values has been under fire for a long time. There are people who won't eat at Chick-fil-A because the, one of the owners of Chick-fil-A said on a radio program that he believed that marriage should be between a man and a woman. And people said, I'm not eating Chick-fil-A anymore. So, I tell you all of this, we talk about all of this because I'd love to hear from you. Are there companies you support or don't support because their brand is so politically active that you just go, I I can't buy their products if that's who they're going to be? And how do you make those decisions? How do you decide yes or no? Are there other companies that you do support, like like you're going to go get an in and out because you like the fries monster style, but also because you like the fact they got a Bible verse on the bottom of the cups? How much does what a company stands for corporately affect your buying decisions and should it – and is there ever a situation where you would you would say to yourself, um, this, this is too far? I mean, we were talking about the fact that Apple gives a lot of money to causes that we would not support, and yet I got some Apple right here in front of me. So I'm just curious about your choices related to that companies you do support or don't support because of the the choices they've made and how do you how do you weigh that out how do you decide this one's gone too far but that one I'm still going to go there cuz I like their product or I'm still going to fly delta cuz that's where my miles are or I'm still going to you know whatever it is I'm going to I'm going to shop REI because I like their gear even though I don't like their politics Eight 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 fifty two talks is is the number. Is this been a dilemma for you? Is this anything you've ever wrestled with? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Let's have some conversation about this because you could help me out as I try to think through where the boundaries are for me, where they need to be in our family, and whether I just say, "Okay, you know what? I don't like what they stand for, but I like the cheeseburger, so I'm going to get the cheeseburger." 888-52-TALKS is the number. We will go to the phones after we take a timeout. Your Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on KKLA. Bob Lapine on a Wednesday afternoon. We're talking this afternoon about companies that have become Advocates for viewpoints that run, run against what we believe as Christians. I saw today that uh, there was some kind of a, a company meeting for the staff for REI, the, the outdoor equipment company. And every speaker who got up, got up and said, hey, everybody, my name is, and they said their name. And then the next thing they said was, and my pronoun, pronouns are... And then they said, and I'm speaking today from the the, uh, place where the land that was owned indigenously by, and and they went through this whole performative thing. This was just the new company. Uh, This this is their liturgy. And and I thought, this is crazy. But do you, so do you shop at REI after you read something like that? That's what I want I just want to know how you're making those kinds of decisions for yourself. Lines are open at 888 Talks, 888 528 2557. Ellen is on the line in West Hills. Ellen, thanks for calling in this afternoon.
2: Thank you for taking my call. Um, so I don't um, listen to the news all that much or know who supports who, but I do know that, um, Chick Fil A is a Christian based so I specifically go there for that because, honestly, it's not my favorite food, but I do go there specifically because they are Christian
1: based. When you hear so about uh, to, when you hear about a company that is trying to do something that's right or moral that or advances your your beliefs, you're more inclined to pull in there than someplace else. Basically. What, is the opposite true? If you hear about a company that you just go, man, these people are just they. they I, I don't, I can't go along with them. Do you avoid them or not?
2: Uh, yes, um, but I'm more likely to, you know, to be support. more excited to mm-hmm. support. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 uh, tough to try to figure out how you make those determinations. Ellen, thanks for your call. Chris is on the line in Whittier. Chris, thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, Bob, you know, the problem with this is that it's playing the cancel culture game. You know, we're not going to support you because you don't think the way that we want you to think. Yeah. And, of course, we're Christians, and we're increasingly the victim of that. It's never effective in shaping corporate behavior. And the reality is the other side plays a whole lot better than we do. (laughs) I think the problem is that it's always disorganized, and it's factored into... You know, the, the corporate bottom line, they look at markets, they look at market what markets are tent, will likely do, not just from, you know, the scans they take on social justice, but from other flippant marketing input algorithms. They decide how they're going to market their product, and they realize they're not going to reach everybody because one reason or another. I think what we as should do, if you really want to make a difference, is make our actions um, coordinated. Uh, you know, it's been in my, in my mind for a long time that we just took the first Monday of every month and not necessarily boycott anybody, just drop out of the economy, not buy anything <laughs> for a whole Monday. As, uh, as a whole body of all Christians, of all everybody that's on the right, everybody that's kind of like in our camp did that and just had a little mini economic strike on Mondays that might show up on the bottom line of a lot of corporations. They might see that, wow, here is a big slice of the population that is trying to make a statement. That might have a difference. But in the end, at the end of the day, what we're saying is change your mind because I'm not going to give you money. And if I, I'll give you money if you change your mind. And how has that ever worked for anybody?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think you, Marianne and I talked about this when we were talking about the article this week. I, I said this is another case of cancel culture and and we've been on the other side like i said we quit going to target for a while um i remember back in the day when you you didn't go to 711 because 711 was selling pornography And 7-Eleven quit selling pornography. And so all of a sudden we thought, okay, this works. So let's see who else we can try to, to cajole. And, and you're, you're right. What, you know, if you, Jesus said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by cancel culture, you're going to die by cancel culture. And I think we're feeling some of that right now. And yet with that said, there are still times I look and I go, I can't, my Burger King, I haven't been to Burger King because I just can't. Go, if this is who you want to be and this, well, plus the fact that I got better options than Burger King, right? I can go get a burger somewhere else that and I might like the burger better. So I haven't felt like I I was really giving up a whole lot there. But honestly, I I understand what you're saying. And I do think it, it was interesting to me when Chick-fil-A was taking heat because the president had said that marriage should be between a man and a woman. uh there was you may remember that there was an organized day where people were encouraged to support Chick-fil-A on a particular day and the lines were around the block and it made national news and uh there was a little economic flexing of the muscle that went on there but i i think i think what's happened with a lot of the companies we're talking about whether it's Apple or Levi's or any of these companies i i think they've gone on to become um so ideologically focused and and in their in their HR department and in among their staff there's a strong vocal group of people who are saying you better do this i mean they they become a mob like the the levis president was talking about and they're winning the day and i i think we've got to say okay the the answer is not well let's become a more effective mob the, the answer has got to be uh we we need to let folks know w- this does matter to us I don't know eight 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 fifty two talks is the number if you'd like to join the conversation eight 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 five two eight two five five seven Maria is with us in Ontario Maria thanks for calling
4: hi Bob. um one one of the things i well actually I have a few things I stopped supporting um because of the views but one of the main ones right now is Nike i self support in supporting Nike, buying anything Nike for myself, my children, anybody my family, because they're tied to the Chinese Communist Party, their child labor, uh, slave labor, and also um, their satanic um, commercials. The shoe,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and and what, I, what's going on with the okay. Uyghurs, and then what went on with Little Nas X and the blood drops in the Nike Yeah, that, Yeah, I get it.
4: Exactly. So I stopped supporting that. My whole family stopped supporting Nikes. We don't find Nikes anymore. And then also, you know, I I stopped supporting just even watching basketball because they're tied to the CCP. Um, I'm not really into the Super Bowl because the human trafficking that happens during the halftime show. (laughs) So it's a lot of things that are going on that we need to pay attention to. And it goes a lot deeper, and we need to look deeper. We need to, you know start doing a little bit more research on the views uh, and values of
1: these companies that we support. Yeah, the, the challenge is if if you start to dig around and find out that your local grocery store gave money to something you don't agree with, and then, then you go find the other local grocery store also gave money to something you don't agree with, all of a sudden you got no place to buy groceries anymore. Yeah, and and
5: I, I'm
0: trying to
4: choose which one's the worst, worst of the two, I guess. You know, it's really and maybe, so hard because, yeah, you know, you want to be, of course, accepting and, and, and things like that. But at the same time, there, there's times to really stand your ground.
1: Maybe it's an individual choice, a conscience choice. Maybe you make these decisions and, and you do them in a targeted way. I, I will tell you, and, and by the way, Maria, thank you for the call. I, I will tell you that I, uh, I uh, one of the products that I, I started buying four or five years ago was uh, Harry's razors uh, and Harry's shaving cream. And I liked the product. I liked the marketing. I liked what they were doing. And and so I started buying Harry's. And then I got an email because, you know, I'm one of their customers online. So I get an email from them and they said, uh, we just want you to know that uh, when you buy from Harry's that we want to be good corporate citizens. And they, they said, here are some of the things we're supporting. And one of the things they were supporting, and I don't remember the name of the specific charity, but I looked it up. It was a charity that was um, that was, I think it was run by uh, Governor Newsom's wife, and it was it was a charity that I looked at and said I'm not in sync with this charity, and I I wrote to them and said, um, I, I just want you guys to know I like your product, I like your marketing, but. I think if, if what you're trying to do is help – they were saying, we want to help uh, young boys uh, grow into healthy manhood, not toxic masculinity. And I said, you know, there are there are things like Boys and Girls Clubs. You can support that. But don't go after some of these, these groups that are out on the fringe. And they thanked me for my comment. And I called them back about a year later and said, I'm just wondering, are you still supporting this? And they said, we're not. And I thought, well, okay, all right. Now, I, I don't check every time I buy razor blades to find out what they're doing, but I know they're not sending out emails anymore saying, um, here's what we stand for as a company. And I think that's one of the things that factors in on all of this for me. So we're talking about being good uh, corporate consumers and and how our conscience affects that. How we handle that as as consumers taking your calls at eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven are there places you do buy from or don't buy from because of what they believe, and how do you make that decision and is are we setting ourselves up like i said are we are if we start to advocate don't buy from this store because they're bad corporate people? Then are we setting ourselves up for them to turn around and say, well, don't listen to KKLA because you know what they believe, and and we're just at war with one another. Again, lines open, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Uh, we'll continue as your Wednesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Including corporations, right? Everybody wants to rule the world. Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ, Wednesday afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about corporations that are taking a very active role in promoting ideology that either they're doing it out of conviction or because they think from a marketing standpoint, this is how you score points with potential customers. In my closet at home, I probably have four or five pair of shoes that are made by Merrill. Always liked Merrill shoes. So that's what I've gotten until last March when I got an email saying, today is International Transgender Day of Visibility. Whether climbing Mount Everest or taking a stroll, outside is for everyone. We are highlighting members of the trans community that inspire us and and i thought to myself again we've talked on this program about the the right way to respond to people experiencing gender dysphoria people who are who who have the feeling that they are trapped in the wrong body who want to get surgery how do you respond to that i'm not saying we need to shun or shame or exclude but i am saying as i as i look at this that if a company comes along and says we want to highlight members of the trans community that inspire us, and this is what we want our brand to be known for. I haven't written to him, but I've thought about writing and just saying, maybe I'm not in your demo anymore. Maybe you don't care about guys like me, but I, you, you just made me less likely to want to buy a pair of your shoes through that. Melissa's on the line with us in Costa Mesa. Melissa, thanks for calling Southern California Live this afternoon. You there, Melissa? Yeah. It. yeah, it's Bob. Go ahead.
6: Hi, Bob. Yes. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that because I didn't know that about that shoe, uh, shoe store, the company. And you know what? That breaks my heart because there, what happened to speaking truth? <laughs> what happened to speaking truth? Um, I'm a firm Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A um, uh I will always buy from Chick-fil-A.
2: Yeah. I
6: stand behind Chick-fil-A. I'm I'm so grateful for them for being able to stand up for what they believe in. Um, I'm a faithful listener to K K L A and that will never change. Hmm. Um, I'm an unvaccinated person and that's not gonna change. Okay. I I'm appalled that my company, you know, has now announced that those who have been vaccinated no longer have to wear their masks, but anybody who's not vaccinated has to continue. Hmm. You know, what bothers me about that is that most vaccinated people don't even believe in their own vaccine. Hmm. And I'm a firm, unvaccinated person. I will wear my mask where I am told to wear it. But other than that, I won't wear it. Why? Because I breathe air, and I walk in faith. I trust in the Lord. The Lord knows my days. They're counted. My faith is in Him. It's not in the vaccination. I do my due diligence. I wash my hands. I, you know, make sure to, you know, it's, I treat it like a regular cold. Like have, you, have, you cold had,
1: have you had COVID, Melissa?
6: I've actually had it twice.
1: So you've you've got some kind of natural immunity from that.
6: Amen, amen. But this is yeah. my thing. If you've been if you've been vaccinated, then you should feel very comfortable with your vaccine that you took.
1: Yeah. But yeah. You
6: shouldn't, feel, you shouldn't feel that everybody needs to wear masks um, because they're not vaccinated. If you believe in your vaccine. And you're uncomfortable with people who haven't been vaccinated. Why don't you wear the mask then?
1: Boy, it is a, what, what you're talking, what you're describing is is the issue going on all across the country. I appreciate you calling, Melissa. Thanks for for joining us, Cecilia, in Lake Forest. Thank you for calling in this afternoon.
7: Hi, thank you, thank you, Bob. Hey, I want to agree with that woman. She said everything I was thinking. I kid you not. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> I agree 150%. I believe that we do have to take a stand. I do believe that as Christians, if we don't boycott some of these businesses that are bringing down our future, which I mean our children, because they buy products from these places, we have an obligation as parents and as individuals of this country to stand for something. You know, when you repeated about the uh, Target thing, I was part of the pro-life movement at the time. So I stood up against Planned Parenthood many times blocking clinics. I was arrested, you know, the whole nine yards. But the whole thing is, when you're doing this, you're standing for something. So I understand a lot of people, a lot of Christians boycotted Target. And guess what? After a couple of years of seeing the numbers drop to where, you know, you think, oh, what is one little person going to do? But in multiple people you can make a huge difference and i don't know if target changed their tune but i know that they stopped i believe yeah they supporting uh, planned parenthood or something but that was the only time that i chose to maybe go there and to be honest with you i still pick and choose when i go there i do not go there as a regular customer i'm not a regular customer
1: it just, it, it can leave a sour taste in your mouth when a company makes a choice like that and, and it kind of sticks with you and I understand how that sticks with you. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. This is interesting. Um, many of you know my friend Dennis Rainey. We were on the radio together, uh, on Family Life Today for many years. Dennis told the story about seeing advertising for Abercrombie and Fitch that was borderline pornographic. Maybe not even borderline. He went into the, the store at the mall and he said, um, these ads, these posters, these—this this is wrong. This is not what you should be doing. And talked to the manager, and said, you know, I, I want to be a good customer and a good citizen. But you're not—you're not promoting things. And of course, the manager can't do anything. He said, "I'll take your name and number. I'll report it." But you know what? I, I do think that when we, when we respectfully and kindly reach out to these companies and say, "You just need to know," if you're making these choices. Um, you're disenfranchising. Maybe you think the future is with the mob, but... Cecilia, thanks for your call. Donald is on the line in Covina. Donald, thanks for joining us this afternoon.
5: Hi, Bob. Um, you know, I kind of have a similar opinion. Uh, I, I wanted to focus a little bit more on uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the gay agenda and uh, just the, the, uh, the cancel culture that's happening I, I can't even tweet on Facebook uh, anything about my, you know, my opinion without being called a hater, and even from people from, from my own church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, you know, I have—there's there, people you know in your day-to-day life that are homosexuals that know that lo- the, you're showing the love of Jesus— And they don't have a problem. I've I've had many people tell me, I don't have a problem with you. And they don't necessarily even uh, identify with the the gay agenda. And it's almost, um, it's very similar, I think, in a way to uh, some of the the, uh, revelations that we had about uh, Black Lives Matter, Hmm. uh, where we, we had, you know, uh, tons of, of black, you know, Americans who who do not identify with the you know the agenda of Black Lives Matter and say so. It, it just really, I kind of wonder if it's more that uh, industries are not interested in uh, trying to uh, save the you know the sale. Uh, a few people and if they're more interested in shaping our opinion
1: well and i i think to your point there's there's a mob mentality and the the folks who are loud and proud and are, are standing up for their views whoever they are uh they can draw the attention of the the folks in marketing or the folks who are going gee we we need to be aware of this, we need to be good corporate citizens blah 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 blah, and all of a sudden they're taking stands that that uh they haven't really thought through, and like you said there there are a lot of uh of gay folks who look at the vocal gay uh minority and and uh those who are out and loud and proud, and they would go, "I don't identify with with that segment of the gay community that's not who I am, and they feel a little put off by it. Donald, thanks for your call. Joanna in Anaheim, thanks for for calling in this afternoon. You're you're live on KKLA.
2: Hi, how are you? Good. Good. Um, Yeah, I I feel very strongly about standing up and flexing our muscles um, in a wise way, but especially financially because our culture responds strongly to the financially. I know when Target. Uh, started allowing men into the women's restroom if they wanted to go in there. Right. I stopped going to Target, and uh, uh, when uh, Kaepernick, you know, started his stuff with the football teams, uh, I stopped buying Nike. I was very offended by Nike, uh, and when I heard about the people that sending, you know, corporations that are sending millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, a communist organization that wants to break down the family, huh? Uh, I I follow it, and I take it very seriously because I feel that if we give them our money, then we are supporting them. And God hates evil. He wants us to oppose evil. I don't have any trouble differentiating between individuals that I deal with, just like, you know, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. Um, I mean, let's face it, we're all sinners, but uh, but evil we have to stand against, and if Christians only voted, if they only took the trouble to vote, I mean, what a difference we could make in this country. We're we're, we're a very powerful force, and God doesn't want us to just be namby pamby and mushy wushy and sentimental, you know, and be lovey lovey in a in a non godly way, because God loves and He has mercy and patience and goodness. But he's also quite serious, you
1: know. He's a—he doesn't just—he's a jealous get God
2: up with all our
1: nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And 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 I think your point's well taken. And here's where I think, as, as I'm thinking this through in my own mind, and I, you know, this is—I I go back and forth in in these kinds of things, but I, I think uh, there is a mob out to uh, to stand against the things I believe in. But the right response for me is not to be the mob on the other side. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling us to. But I also don't think the right response is for me just to keep my mouth shut. I go back to the uh, the president of Levi's who said, I'm turning down a million bucks so I can say I think what they're doing is wrong. And I think we need to speak the truth in love uh, to companies, to businesses, to our neighbors, and, and uh, figure out how to do that winsomely and graciously and with the love of Christ, but to stand for what's true and right. Thanks to all of you for calling in this afternoon. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow and I look forward to being with you on Southern California Live tomorrow.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.